Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. Load up on guns and bring your friends, because today is all about shooters. And, of course, no nothing on shooters would be complete without our real-life shooter, Kelly, in the house. So, Kelly, welcome to the, the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Having played just about every shooter in existence, she's in a unique position to tell us how shooters have been changing from the on-the-rails um, that we used to see to uh, to some of the modern hybrids that uh, we're getting today. So, Kelly, you all loaded up and ready? Oh, yeah. And uh, we also have your uh, partner, sometimes partner in crime, Todd Hargosh, uh, our, our extreme gamer. Todd, welcome to the lounge today. Thanks for taking time away from Bioshock 2 to uh, talk with us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Probably need to dry out a little bit anyway. <laughs> it's all the yeah. underwater adventure. And yeah. all the way from England, we have Shella. Shella is our European correspondent and longtime favorite here on the lounge. Shella, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. So, shooters. Now, I thought about this topic because I was actually playing uh, Bioshock 2 last night, and I was pretty amazed that uh, the way – I mean, Bioshock 2 is kind of like a regular shooter in that, you, you know, you shoot things. Things come after you and you shoot them. But it's sort of um, – it's different. You're the Where I'm at in the game right now, I'm going from train station to train station, and the whole game is supposed to be like this underwater city that's seen different you know, better days. But they give you like the entire block uh, to play with instead of putting you on the rails and you can kind of go off and complete your objectives however you want. And then there's also a little bit of an RPG aspect to it to where you can increase different weapons and, and improve yourself with the, with plasmids and things. Todd, are you are you finding that is uh, is a unique sort of aspect to, to Bioshock 2? Pretty much. Uh, I mean, I'm used to playing that from the first game as well, as well as it's um – Spiritual predecessor System Shock and System Shock Two, mm-hmm. and um, it is starting to get more towards the action um, action RPG shooter type. Not as deep uh, in the RPG as Mass Effect or uh, Oblivion was, or Fallout Three for that matter. But it is getting a little touch of that um, RPG feel. But um, thankfully, it's not enough to drown the game down like I've have, had done with other RPGs or or other shooters that have been just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I mean, the uh, a lot of the the shooters. I mean, from in looking back at the some of the gin reviews, even even going back like four years. I mean, which isn't that far back, but a lot of the shooters were pretty much you know like the the. The, the previous Call of Duty series and the Medal of Honor series and so forth, it was pretty much just running on a rail, right? And Or it would be like the old days of Wolfenstein, Dooms, like go to point A, get a key, go to point B with key, open door, go to point C, clear a level. Yeah, yeah. You don't know, you know, even Call of Duty isn't doing that as much anymore because it's more objective-based. That's true. I, d- I didn't think about that. And sure, of course, we're going to talk about Call, Call of Duty 2 uh, – uh, or Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 a little bit later because that is obviously the mega shooter that's out right now. So, um, But Shella, um, I wanted to go over to you because uh, you've, you've brought this up a few times before. I know you're doing the review of Mass Effect 2. And you are seeing a real heavy shooter interface, and this is kind of like the opposite of what we're talking about today. I mean, the topic today is kind of like shooters that are branching out and becoming more than just the standard on-the-rails shooter. But what you're seeing with Mass Effect 2 is kind of 
an RPG that's going back into that traditional model, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mass Effect compared to Mass Effect 2 was much more RPG based. Um, you were basically, yeah, an RPG that sort of made a nod towards um, shooters. Um, and this time around, it's pretty much a shooter that kind of has a sort of vague look towards RPGs. Um, so the the RPG aspect has been diluted quite a lot, which I found disappointing um, because I thought that was one of the great things about Mass Effect was it gave you all the action set pieces of an FPS, um, but the richness um, of the story and the gameplay of an RPG and all the control of your character and your investment in your character. Um, but the shooter rules the day today, you know, um, commercially speaking. So it kind of makes sense for people to try and woo the shooter crowd. Um, and I suppose as, as a, as an RPG fan, that's maybe not such a good thing, but as a gamer overall, Maybe it is a good thing because it means that games are taking the best aspects of all genres and putting them into one game. And as gamers, surely that should make us happy. <laughs> well, I, I know uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Mass Effect 2, so <laughs> hopefully I'll, I'll be made happy with that. It's, it sounds pretty cool. Well, one of the things that you were saying about Mass Effect 2, the one element that's really missing is improving your character. Yeah, um, well, I was... I play more of it. Um, they've just simplified it a lot, um, which I suppose could be a good thing. But I quite like the sort of the, the tinkering to the nth degree. Well, you, um, you are the person that uh, would, would you take like three, three or four hours with a new MMO to get your character just just right? Yeah, <laughs> at least three or four hours. Um, yeah, so... And it's the fact that you couldn't, you can't do as much with your squad as you could um, in the first one. You can't sort of tinker with all their stats as well as your own. You can tinker with your own pretty much on the same level, except they've kind of pared it down a little bit. Um, but you can't, you don't have that investment in your squad and your team is, you, you know, you sort of go out together. And if you haven't sort of tinked up the right things, you kind of think, oh, no, I've really kind of fouled up <laughs> their away mission because I, I neglected that side of their build and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I just felt there wasn't as, as much investment in the people other than yourself. I gotcha. um, yeah, they, they're kind of done for you. Um, so you go out and they're just these kind of drones by your side, really. Whereas in the first one, you made decisions about whether they lived or, li lived or died um, through the, the dialogue trees. And because you'd had such an investment in the, in what they were, that was just those were pivotal moments in the game when you had to decide which one to leave behind and stuff like that. Right. So. No, it makes sense, and I, I can definitely see the need to to simplify things. Kelly, I wanted to talk to you about another shooter that is sort of more traditional of a shooter than than Mass Effect, and something that I know you play constantly, and that is Borderlands. Yeah, <laughs> gets played a lot in my house. Not recently though, because the new releases have just went. Oh yeah, yeah, there have been so many lately. But Borderlands now that wasn't really a traditional. I mean, taking aside the the cell shading and so forth, which which was was different. But the actual way the game is set up, 
it was different than a traditional shooter too, right? Because one of the fun things was was building out your character and getting new powers, right? Oh yeah, you get the complexity of it and how much you could tinker with and the different things with the guns and it was like, wow, they really made that complexity to it where you could really kind of have more fun and move it in the direction that you wanted to move it in. Right. Okay. That makes sense. No, I I play that game all the time. Um, it, it was it was one of my uh, votes in the in the game of the year category. I mean, I, I just I love that game. It was it was a lot of fun. And I I think one of the cool things is that building your character up. And I I don't know how it compares to Mass Effect Two because I haven't been able to play it yet. But for example, I went through the game as a hunter character and I built up him to be a really cool sniper. And I thought that was a really powerful build. And then I went through again as a siren. And the build that I put together for her was so much better that she's like 10 levels less than my hunter, and I know she could kick his butt in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) I play as a siren, too. Yeah, Yeah, there are people online that say she's a bit overpowered, but you know what? I like the power, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a fun. I wanted to uh, mention that the show today was uh, sponsored by uh, a game that I reviewed that was a lot of fun that was a non-traditional shooter, and that is Stalker called Pripyat, which is the third Stalker in the series, of, of the series. Um, and that's uh, S, capital S-T-A-L-K-E-R, not Stalker, like, you know, a bad Stalker. But Stalker actually in the first game stood for something. I forget what it was. It was something like loners and thieves and something. But anyway, it's a good game. It takes takes place in Russia, and it's a shooter, but it's basically a kind of a horror type of shooter. Um, You have the entire area around the Chernobyl reactor to explore. Basically, the plot of the game is that there, after the nuclear meltdown, all these like creatures and stuff started um, started coming up in the zone. There's a 30 mile zone around the reactor that nobody's allowed to get into, except for these stalkers sneak in and have sort of their own society inside the zone because there's these magical artifacts that they get uh, that they sell on the black market for a lot of money. But the interesting thing about stalker is that you are not shooting all the time. It is very realistic in that you might spend a half an hour just walking around exploring the zone and like you'll hear like footsteps or you'll hear branches breaking or something and you'll move and you'll look and there'll be nothing there. And then uh, and then there'll be this sheer moment of terror when you're actually ambushed by things. So it's interesting, but it's certainly a different type of game and I I gave it a um I gave it a 4.5 uh, Gin Gem score. It was it was quite good uh, when I played it. If you click on the um, right above the show, there should be a nice little radioactive link there with a with a beautiful little snork <laughs> on it, which is one of the one of the stalkers that have mutated. Um, click on that, and you can go right to the. Uh, the page, the stalker page, uh, and if you are listening to this on iTunes and you can't see the banner, the link is www.viva-media.com/stalker, and you can just type in stalker, not not with all the periods. So, so viva-media.com/stalker, and I was looking at that particular page, and some of the reviews are really impressive. They have about 12 reviews in, including ours, and some of them are uh, pretty amazing. This one from Insight Bits says. Uh, uh, Call of Pripyat really delivers the fully realized world we are so often promised, yet so rarely obtain in today's softer core gaming realms. So, strong words, but a definitely a good game. So, um, I would recommend, highly recommend anybody give give that one a try. 
So, and again, that stalker call of Pripyat, uh, click on the banner and, uh, and give it a try. You'll, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. So, uh, back to the show. One of the games that I, I thought sort of was a little bit in line with Call of Pripyat, uh, Shella was one that you reviewed a little while ago, and that was, that was Fear 2, cause that was definitely a shooter interface, right? But, but yeah. they, the, the innovative thing there was, was they really pushed the horror elements of the game? Yeah, um, gosh, I have to cast my mind back to, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was story, it was definitely story driven, um, there was no RPG elements to it, but yeah, it was a sort of shooter stroke horror hybrid, um, thing, and it had, um, you could use cover really well, and the AI was, um, was pretty good as well um so that gave it some extra depth which um because that's sometimes where shooters um fall down a little bit is the ai you know the the ai is just kind of robotic it's <laughs> usually they're a moron there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's even worse than your partner ai is moron <laughs> yeah, yeah when you're counting on somebody and you know they shoot you through a doorway <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Or of course, or they chase grenades down the hallway. Oh, really? Yeah. Fetch. Remember that with Vegas, too. Surprised Army of Two to Forty Day didn't have that. Bushes, basically, isn't it? That's pretty cool. Well, were there moments in Fear Two where you were genuinely scared? Because that's what I really liked about Stalker was that. I mean, there are like these invisible monsters that only are visible in the second before they attack you. You want to talk about a scare? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there definitely were because the the foes were quite fast, even though they were kind of they were kind of deranged, um, sort of a uh, product of weird experiments, and there was lots of sort of blood smeared. Um, laboratory windows and stuff like that and the lighting effects and the sound was really amazing as well um so yeah it was definitely scary and i'm not very good at horror games because i get paralyzed with fear and i'm like please don't let the door open please oh no it's unlocked damn you um so, so i i kind of steeled myself uh, i was like right i'm not gonna be scared of this and um that's how i got through it and but yeah, there are some genuinely, I think there's one point where kind of basically the asylum doors all get unlocked when you press this button and you're just like, oh crap. And you have to kind of fight your way out of this um, asylum, which is pretty bad. And the lighting's terrible. Why don't they ever have good lighting? They don't pay, pay their electricity bills or something. I don't know. I know Todd, I know Doom 3, we could have used some duct tape for that flashlight. So you could hold your gun and your flashlight at the same time. My God! Talk about a scary. Game. It also it also didn't help. But you had a monitor that was that appeared to be too dark. Oh yeah, yeah. But I played Doom Three. I actually had to hook it up to my HD TV through an S video connection. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, I had to do that with Fear as well. I had to put the um the brightness way up because you just couldn't see anything. So they'd made it so moody <laughs> that it was kind of like being in someone's cupboard. Yeah, but as far as Doom Three was concerned, my brightness was turned all the way up, and I still couldn't see a thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was crazy. I, uh, you know, I just kind of experienced that, and I, I don't want to get too far off topic, but I just I downloaded the Heavy Rain demo on the PlayStation. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a, it's got the demo, and oh my god, is it amazing! It is, it, really? it is absolutely one hundred percent the best demo I've ever played. It's, uh, it's amazing, but it was too dark. I had to bring the brightness up. Oh, and I'll mention another. I, I don't want, I, too, I too don't want to go too far off the beaten path, but this is more shooter related. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Even Alien vs. Predator, the demo on the Xbox, was uh, too dark to play. Yeah. Mm. So one of, one um, of the innovations... I mean, I understand, I understand the series. Something to do with shooters and darkness. Yeah. <laughs> it's a standard thing for us. We get a game and pop it in. That's the first thing in options we go to is crank the brightness up. Really? And in some games, we go to... There's the only high-def TVs in the living room, So and we have seen where TV, certain games are made for high-def because the font is like... Itty bitty on my oh, bedroom TV. Yeah. That's why I had to buy a new telly. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ready to too. <laughs> what was I playing? I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think it was the original Mass Effect. Actually, that's why I bought my new telly because I couldn't read the freaking things. Like, oh. What does that say? My first case was Dead Rising. Like, what does that say? <laughs> yeah, I, I notice when I kick the when I when I force the PlayStation to render in 1080p, I can usually read the fonts a lot better. I don't know why it would default to 480 on games that can do 1080p, but <laughs> annoying. All right, so shooters need to be bright enough that we can see what we're shooting at. Okay, we've yeah. established that. It's one thing they have to do. <laughs> so one of the things and uh, that I, we have to talk about in a shooter game, and, and Todd, you mentioned it a little bit, was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And I, when, you know, I went through that game, and I thought it was pretty much a traditional shooter. But you were saying you, you were saying it was a little bit more objective based, so even it wasn't traditional shooter. What, what did you mean by that exactly? Well, compared to the past years, where it was like point, a, it's still point A to point B with objectives, mm-hmm. but it's not like go find a key, open the door, and go to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's how the, I mean, that's what stuff like Doom, uh, Wolfenstein, Quake, they were all all like that. Right. But it, there's, there's parts like in in Call of Duty, where you'd be like defend this position or uh, or assault this area, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's more storyline based instead of just go from point A to point B, point B to point C. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I guess the innovative thing, obviously, it's the most highest selling game like of all time ever or whatever. Uh, obviously, people liked it. Kelly, I know you've you've played it a lot. Do you think that the hook? Because I think if it was just a traditional shooter, it wouldn't be as popular as it was. Do you think that the hook, Kelly, for you was the fact that it had this amazing story? Oh, yeah, it had a very good story. And it, it was very light, and it was rendered beautifully. I mean, the graphics were just amazing. That's what I really liked about it. But that, and then you go, multiplayer, and I go, yay. <laughs> but a, a good story does not a good shooter make, or a good presentation. Mm-hmm. Need I go back to ODST? Uh, yeah, right. Halo I mean, Light. Well, what about, what about <laughs> multiplayer, Todd? I, I, do, do all shooters... That are successful have to have multiplayer. I mean, I know. You, have you looked at the Bioshock multiplayer at all? Not yet, but I've heard reports saying that the multiplayer in it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Really, my nephew has played the crap out of it. He loves it. <laughs> and then, like I said, Alien vs. Predator, which just came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have been playing the multiplayer, but the problem is the demo only does single player deathmatch. Mm-hmm. And for a game like Alien vs. Predator, that is not the best way to play uh, multiplayer. Right. Well, let me more to be more team based. Right. Well, let me let me ask the three of you this this question. Um, it's not exactly the final question, but it's a question I want to ask. Get each one of your opinions. Can a shooter can a shooter be popular today if it doesn't have some sort of hook that's different in some way? And Shell, I'll I'll let you go first. Oh gosh, why did you have to pick me first? <laughs> Um, can it be popular without some kind of hook? Um, yeah. All it needs pretty much is a big guy with a big gun, <laughs> doesn't it? Really? I mean, how sick am I of that game? 
over and over again with different freaking titles. Well, that's why I wanted I really to am. pick you first, Shelley. <laughs> I, I knew that's what you'd say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just sick of playing that game. Can we have a new one, please? <laughs> what about Mass Effect is great. Well, what about you, Kelly? What do you think about that? I, it, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big guy. He could be a like a you know a bad chick, you know. <laughs> Really yeah, be and a, a big a, suit that makes her look like a big guy. <laughs> no, normally the chicks, they they're not really fully fully clothed and covering yeah. all the bits and pieces. But <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they usually have Kevlar armor that only covers their nipples. You know, <laughs> yeah, Kevlar bikini. <laughs> really, all you need if it's got a good storyline, graphics, and it handles properly and doesn't have bloody technical flaws out the yin yang, then yeah, it could be successful. And make sure it's not some genre or niche that's been done over and over and over and over again with the same storyline. So get something new. True. Todd, what do you think? And Kelly pretty much summarized what I what I was gonna say. I and mean, if if a shooter series starts to become too formulaic, then it's not gonna sell as as well as something that's uh supposed to add something new. Like with the uh, Borderlands' uh, RPG aspects or Mass Effect with with its great storyline and character development, main character Shella. Don't worry about the others. Mm. <laughs> or, uh, in my case, Bioshock 2 at the, uh, again, customizing your character with whatever plasmids you want. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's just a shooter, just to say, hey, here's a new shooter, go and let's try it out, let me know what you think. Case in point, something like Rogue Warrior, yeah. it's not gonna sell. Well, that's what happened to the, the Medal of Honor series pretty much, right? Before World of War. I mean, it was just the same old thing over and over again, right? Right, well, they, they threw a bait and switch with, uh, Rising Sun, remember? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Start off with that great Pearl Harbor mission, and it just went, Want to become a formulaic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it took how many <laughs> for people to realize that, hey, this is formulaic. Hey, gamers are, gamers are slow, but eventually they'll stop spending their money. <laughs> Once they get it, it's good, and we can start getting some new games. Well, in. Todd's right. That bait and switch was pretty harsh, though. <laughs> I mean, people really expect Because I remember watching that, that preview. I thought, this looks like it's going to be amazing. Oh, at, at E3, people stood up and cheered in the demo room at the end of that thing. It was amazing. And then the game was just this traditional run-through, shoot some Japanese guys keep going it was the same thing we'd seen a million times before so too bad all right so uh it sounds like there are traditional shooters and there are these sort of evolutionary shooters that change the genre in some way adding character development or or extra exploration or uh a role-playing aspect so so my final question uh to to all three of you is um so should we at gin we we have the shooter category should we break it up and if we if you know to have like shooter rpg or or should we just you know if if something says it's a shooter should we just take it at its word put it in the shooter category and leave it up to us to define what that means and i'll start with not shella since she got mad last time i'll start i'll start with (laughs) kelly what what do you think Do do you think the shooter genre label is okay or should we change it I think it's fine. It's good with what the company's going to broadcast it as. It's, this is a shooter. Then in the review, we can say talk about the RPG aspects. But still, if you get too many categories, because you could really categorize some of these games to the Ooh. tilt and just oh my goodness, the page would be cluttered. Yeah, it could be action <laughs> RPG with story elements and alcohol yeah. use or something. Yeah, <laughs> some horror. <laughs> FPS godsend. <laughs> well, Todd, Todd, would you agree? You're you're usually the one that advocates more and more categories. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's a fine line. <laughs> For instance, we consider. 
Fallout 3 an action RPG. Right, right. I, I, we fought that under role-playing game. Yeah, Bioshock, I lean more towards shooter. Mm-hmm. Even though some people would like to consider it as an RPG, but the no. Shock series has always been known more as a shooter mm-hmm. and less yeah. rather that than an RPG. True, true. And, and Shella, what do you think? Yeah, the same, really. I mean, I don't think um, things like Mass Effect and maybe Bioshock are... Well, I think Bioshock is pretty much an FPS, isn't it? It's, you know, all you see is the gun, whereas Mass Effect is basically an RPG that's been watered down for the um, shooter market. So it's still an RPG-ish. Well, it's become an action RPG. Um, I think you just have to take every game on its own merits and then slot it into the boxes we've got as opposed to making sort of sort of high hand we'll have this mass venn diagram of like game categories where a and b overlap and make c if if c then go to next square yeah (laughs) yeah i think you're right i mean even a game i i would tend to agree with all three of you on that one even a game like stalker call of pripyat which again i would encourage everybody to to click on the link and check out I thought of that as a role-playing game because I was I was really playing my character how I thought my character would react. But it was a shooter. It was a shooter, and and it should be filed as such. So, and I I think people that buy it won't be disappointed if if we say it's a shooter and they end up getting all this extra cool stuff along with it. So, uh, if you have a favorite shooter that you'd like to tell us about, the email address is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next time, guys, thanks you for joining me today. It was it was a really cool show, and uh, I'll see you all online, uh, except for you, Kelly, because I avoid games that you're playing because you'll kill me. <laughs> nah, no friendly fire. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I'll let I'll let you know before I show up. All right, take it easy, everybody. I'll see you all next time.